Gonna need to pull the mic closer to you. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't know you were alive. Memorex. Is it live or is it Memorex? That was the question. Good morning, good morning. Michael is question. getting his act together. As John Ashton would say, speak into the microphone. So our guest, Caroline Williams, uh, yes. was in the house, Hex and Kato, the houseboat, yes. and um, was attempting to tune Michael's banjo and said it was not tunable, but maybe you down-tuned it or done something weird to it. I'm usually messing around in some alternate tunings. And she said, oh, it's an open back, which I guess means it is the indeed. back is open. Uh, yes, it means it's not uh, not a resonator, which means uh, to many lay people it will be slightly less annoying because it's just not so goddamn loud as your standard uh, resonator. Mm. Um, but yeah, the resonator's fantastic. What did you wake up to this morning in your inbox? My inbox? I don't have an inbox. Oh, from you? No. From Bernie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh well, um, actually, I think he's changed. I think officially now his um, senders say Bernard Sanders, so he's he's very formal now. Um, Elder statesman, I guess so. Yeah, well, it's uh, he's um, plugging his uh, new book, which I believe is entitled "It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism." Available at Amazon for a thirty percent discount. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, don't even get me started on the irony of him uh, being a publisher and working through Amazon. But um, or I should say, uh, writing books and selling them through Amazon. Um, but no. But the big thing, you know, uh, back, um, well, it's been what four years now, thereabouts. But um, yeah, he used to just ask for um, I believe it was two bucks seventy. It was two dollars seventy cents. Two two seventy donations. Yes, yes. So this was uh, for the likes of. you know, um, what are the young, uh, fighting the millionaires and billionaires? Well, well, no, not millionaires. Only billionaires. Because, well, I mean, because he's a multimillionaire, presumably, but, uh, I mean, I don't mean that's the only reason to, uh, vilify the, uh, very rich, but yes, he, he is careful to, um, do, you know, we're against the, uh, the, you know, less than the 1%, not just the, not the millionaires. Millionaires are okay, apparently. But um, but anyway, but yeah. So two seventy used to be enough. That's all he would beg for back in the day. For uh, years, it was two dollars seventy. Yes, and this was for things like you know whatever the what are the rabble rousers called like uh, AOC and that little crew of you know they're really going to shake things up. And as we all know, yeah, they've had tremendous effect. The United States is substantially different than Helps it was so much. back in the day. Well, they can't help but help. That's all they do. But um. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so two seventy would be good uh, to elect uh, the likes of them. Uh, but now he wants twenty seven bucks, and uh, I know that. Uh, what if yeah, that was a we've typo? Inflation. I don't think so. Because he went from two seventy to twenty seven. No, but it's not. What if he just a misplaced decimal? There's not point? a decimal or anything. I mean, it doesn't say twenty seven point zero zero dollars, or you know, it doesn't. It just says twenty seven. I'll have to. I've already deleted it naturally, but I'll have to uh, pull it out of the. Uh, junk folder spam deleted that's wherever bernard belongs he's really milking us 27 dollars. that's a big jump i mean i guess we're gonna get a lot more bang for our bucks i feel like it was a typo 
I don't know. I, I haven't um, I've been <laughs> paying attention to me. No, so, it, it's been creeping up because I think he used to do like 540 or something. He doubled the, the 270, I think. I, I, I'll, I'll go back and look at the, <laughs> the history. Yeah, but, so you were awake before I was. And when I came um, upstairs this morning, you were, you know, in front of your laptop with your coffee. And yeah. you said to me, um, oh, well, Bernie's really upped his game and his, you know, constant um, begging for money. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is politicians doing? They beg for money. <laughs> it's begging for money. <laughs> well, that's what startup owners I mean, do weird, too. It's weird because he's like not money. even running for re-election or anything, but he never stops begging for money. <laughs> <laughs> he's because the the place needs his help. I guess he knows what to do with the money. His oh, books aren't going to publish themselves. <laughs> 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 no, he needs to. God bless him. Who doesn't love Bernie and his mittens? <laughs> Oh, Bernie well. is a begging for money. I well, that's everyone begs for it. We beg for money. That's what we do. Beg do. for money. We got a little bit of money. Yeah, we do. Um, over the last week or two, and we've been in such a state of control. Well, this is our version of control the burn, control the burn. In this way, in this case, our burn rate. And now we can start 2023 actually executing on some of our plans, which is 2024, which is very exciting. Indeed. Um, yeah. It's good to good to have a plan and have the resources to implement mm-hmm. it. So and together we listened to the, it was quite a get, quite a get. Lex Freeman interviewing Jeff Bezos in his long form approach. We, we certainly think of it as a get because um, we're older, but... You would think the twenty somethings really know who uh, Jeff Bezos is. Why do you assume that twenty somethings are the core of his? Would be listening to Lex Friedman. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm just saying it's not. I would think that for a lot of his folks, uh, you know, like a Sam Altman type or uh, um, Jaron Straustup or uh, um, uh, uh, Wolfman. Uh, wait, Wolfram? What's his name? Stephen Wolfram, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's great. Uh, but I would s- suspect that he sort of fits more into the Lex demographic of who they think would be a big uh, a big get. But I don't know. So, so we were actually <clears throat> watching the conversation, just like oh, casting. So j- uh, just uh, before I forget, he, he has had uh, Bibi Netanyahu on. There, yes. say. So yeah. he's probably a bit more difficult to get than Bezos, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yes, go ahead. Um, so we were casting the interview from Spotify on our TV. So we were watching the interview or the conversation. And the first thing I noticed is how not only how different Jeff Bezos looks, because, of course, you know, we've seen him beef up considerably. uh over the last years yeah but he sounds a lot different now everybody's voice deepens with age but this sounds like something different than that this this sounds like maybe some i don't know it just sounded like hormone replacement therapy voice he's on roids maybe i don't know how such things work i mean yeah there certainly have been faces so there's the you know, just standard uh, Columbia blue shirt, 
you know, kind of uh, a little doughy hedge fund type. Uh, and then there's get into the marathon years, right? So you do that stuff. And I'm not criticizing this. People change and one needs to do different, you know, degrees of commitment to uh, maintain whatever um, body or health uh, one desires. But yeah, but then through the marathon and now through the, the, the beefier type uh, age as well. And of course, uh, all, all the hair is, is gone. Presumably he's shaved now because that's much more acceptable. And he's very tan and yeah. he has uh, quite a bit of something in his face. It's probably a combination of um, Botox and fillers. The teeth have been bleached. It's all just... Oh, I didn't even notice that stuff. Okay. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, he's presumably spending more time in Texas now, right? So there's going to be more sun there. Mm-hmm. And of course, he and Lauren moved to Miami. So oh, they moved to Miami. Oh, I thought. Oh, but, but there's the probably some stuff. spray tan going on there and there too. I would, I would. Think. <sighs> who knows? Who knows? But all the space stuff is in Texas, isn't it? I think. In Cape Canaveral, it's in Florida, and Texas. He has like his I, giant secret. I was gonna say, I yeah, his, yeah, it's in both. He's yeah. he's under the sun a lot. Um, and so I was conflicted because entrepreneur Beth always finds him incredibly inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but activist Beth is like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. We're just in the same way that somebody like um, Tucker Carlson will do. They make these proclamations sound like platitudes because they just gloss over it so quickly. And you're like, hold on a minute. What do you mean there isn't a single customer that would ever say, I want something not right. delivered faster, cheaper. And he says, like, nobody would ever say that. And then he'll, yeah. or then he'll go on to say, well, um, he said, I'm, of course, paraphrasing. But in the interview, he said, um, everything is advancing except for the natural world. It's being destroyed. And, and I think what he was more than implying was the only way to preserve it or save it is get human beings off the planets so much like discovering um a beehive that shouldn't be where it is and scooping up all the bees and putting them in a new beehive which is you know space stations i guess out in space because we can't you know we've invaded yeah we've misplaced our home and then the other thing that he said was that it's a it's all about more more and more more human beings more energy consumption and in order to do that, we have to go into space. And then he just moves on. Like, obviously, that's the conclusion that's that's been made by everyone. And I, and this is how it's going to go down. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. But this is something that makes me really nervous is that these these few people on this planet are so rich and so powerful that they get they get to make the decisions for the rest of us. Now, of course, we all still have agency. We can all refuse to go to space. We can all refuse to buy it from Amazon. We can all, you know, refuse to participate in social media, um, but we're not. So we're just being pulled along willingly, complacently, or without realizing it, I guess. Yeah, but just feel I like would... such a pawn, you know? Well, for his little playground. Yeah, but I would argue that, you know, if there is uh, a fault to be laid, and I'm not sure that there is, but it, if anything, it's the, you know, we, we made Amazon. We collectively, not Bezos, he's just offering yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Um, but just to go back to uh, some of his, uh, you know, statements, would you just 
said that he was offering as though, you know, they're, you know, uncontestable. I mean, you wouldn't disagree with the general premise that uh, the earth is, uh, you know, we're a closed system here with a finite resource base. So the idea of looking elsewhere, you know, whether it's, you know, mining asteroids or just uh, looking for um, resources and potential living environments outside of the earth, that's, that's a pretty reasonable idea, right? Well, no, I don't think so, because, again, it, it falls on this premise of more and more and more and more and more is better. Therefore, we have to, um, you know, colonize space. And I would argue, let's not go more, more, more. Let's go less, less, less. Let's go balanced, balanced, balanced. Let's just stay here, here on Earth. It's fine. We're just, you know... We don't need it, you know, because he was like, well, if there's a trillion human beings in the galaxy, yeah. that means that there's a thousand Mozarts and a thousand Einsteins. Yep. But my question is always to what end? To what end? Yeah. To I, make the universe a better place? Well, who gets to define what better looks like? Well, I certainly agree. We don't need more. What about Mozart? enough? But, the world is enough. It's more than enough. It's splendid and miraculous and awe inspiring. I was led to believe the world was not enough, but um, bond aside, uh, I, I would rather have, you know, thousand plus Einsteins. I mean, I, I like that, you know, it's, it's just very practically looking at the likelihood of Einsteins and their, you know, potential um, accomplishments and uh, how that benefits uh, society just being down to a pure numbers game. It's like, all right, well, if you, if you get one Einstein every, you know, X billion people, then then there you that's go. The that's the Sam Bankman free and, but I think philosophy. That's, it's the philosophy, but of that's true of right? utility. Well, but what's wrong with utilitarian thinking when it comes to, all right, well, if we know, you know, people like to use this amount of energy or they like to have this amount of space, um, then what's wrong with saying? We know that's going to happen. So, well, Caroline, let's Caroline, take some... and I were talking about this off mic, and I wish now we would have been on mic because um, she had some very, very interesting things to say about this. Um, but we're already underutilizing most of the human beings that are already on this planet by shutting them out of opportunity to realize their full potential. So maybe we could start there. Maybe we already have a thousand Einsteins. It's just that they're all being wasted because of the uh, misfortune of the geography of their birth. I agree with the, the general uh, idea that... Or that we're killing them off in endless war. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt that we underutilize, you know, misuse, abuse, uh, possibly most of the people on this planet in so far as they aren't given the opportunities and therefore society can't benefit from whatever they could offer. Having said that, I do think the, just in terms of, you know, pure sort of statistical uh, thinking, the idea that, well, you know, it's really important that we make sure everyone in the world eats uh, because, whoever's going to cure cancer might be living in deepest, darkest Africa right, right now. It's like, uh, okay, that's possible, but 
you know, whoever it is that cures cancer, and obviously that's a ridiculous example because we could even debate whether it's a good idea to cure cancer or, you know, whether it's a reasonable goal, given that there will always be another cancer, whatever, there will always be another health problem to solve. Um, so, uh, I just think that whoever it is that quote cures cancer, it will have much less to do with that person's potential, uh, than it does with the, you know, resources in and around them. That's right. And, and okay. But, but so therefore it's not ultimately the quality or potential of any of us 8 billion carbon units on the planet. It's much more to do with kind of institutional support for those carbon units. So another thing that he said is cost effective equals better. And I agree with that. So I feel like that's a contradiction to this other thing that he said about, you know, a trillion human beings producing a thousand Einsteins because there's always going to be collateral damage. We have a trillion people out in space stations. Who's going to govern them? Who's going to prevent them from creating the same wars and the same prejudice and the same, you know, um, exploitation and ostrac um, ostracize ostracization mm -hmm. that exists right now? And that you're still hacking off, let's say, 90% of the people of the trillion people so that the 10% privileged are the ones that get to realize their full potential. And we're just mining the Einsteins out of those lucky chosen few. It's the exact same thing that we're dealing with right now, just at a much larger scale. That seems wildly inefficient to me. Well, you can certainly do the, the pure sort of numbers games. Uh, you know, if you have whatever a thousand Einsteins and assuming that you know more Einsteins equals more benefit for a larger percentage of people then yeah that was you know if you're going to look at it in absolute numbers and of course you can do that right now you can say look whatever criticisms people may have about the world we live in and life in general we have to say that right now there are more people who are getting more calories every day as a percentage of the population than has ever been so in the past. And there are more people who have, you know, whatever. We can debate whether it's useful for them to have things like fidget spinners, but more people do have fidget spinners than, than ever before as a percentage. So, you know, if is that what we're going for? Are we just trying to maximize widgets and is insofar as they're proxies for happiness uh, for the largest percentage of people. If that's so, then now's a better time to be alive than ever before. And presumably 10,000 years from now will be a much, much better time than right now. Fair. I don't know. I mean, these are complicated questions. Mm -hmm. That's uh, why they're interesting. Do you think there's anything wrong with having a trillion human beings around in the solar system? I just don't. 
see the advantage of it. Advantage. Yeah. And we're going to be like, we want a hundred trillion human beings in the galaxy in you know, the, the surround, the surrounding two, three gal the galaxy could easily support a hundred trillion people. Um, our galaxy, but, but isn't that what life does just kind of spreads out to wherever it's comfy. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, if it's unchecked, no, it's, it remains in balance. Balance Unless something what? goes awry, then you see an algae bloom or overpopulation of human beings or... Yeah, but that's all part of the balance as well, I would say. I mean, this this is partly to do with uh, sort of uh, Victorian ideas about whether human beings are living outside of nature or what I would argue is it's a more holistic and correct view. It's like, well, we're, we're part of it too. So... You know, if we were to destroy the earth, I wouldn't consider that a problem at all. It's just all part of it. I mean, it's no worse than, you know, when uh, beavers uh, do too much damage to a stand of trees. Um, they behave, you know, irresponsibly. Uh, and there are consequences. But it's not right or wrong. It's just nature. We're just doing our human thing. Did you know that Albert... Albert Brooks's the comedian Albert Brooks's Speaking actual of name is Albert Einstein. I I did know that, but only because of Bob Einstein, uh, Super Dave. Uh, yeah, I did brother. not yeah. know that. Yeah. And um, watching his conversation with Rob Reiner on Netflix was just so yeah. endearing. Yeah, so we've actually already had two Albert Einstein. So now we've only got uh, you mm -hmm. know. 999 billion plus to go. But from my, you know, constant lenses of female oppression, and this was a theme that was brought up a number of times in the documentary, here are these two men, lifelong friends that went to high school together. And Richard Dreyfus also went to that high school. And I it was a classmate. I think there was somebody else. And yep. then there were all of these other young women that were, you know, also like proto Nepo babies, like, you know, some famous person's daughter sure. that you never heard from again. He talked about how his mother really wanted to be a professional singer, but she didn't yep. get the chance because she had to stay home and raise the kids while the dad got to be famous. He actually made a movie about it over and over and over again. And I am just so sick as as even as much as I love these male entertainers and find them endearing, I am so sick of listening to them sit around talking yep. about the good old days about how they pulled each other up. Right. I'm so sick of it. And it, this is why I started this podcast because I am trying to build the foundation where women get to do the same thing for each other. I just can't wait for the moment when this podcast becomes successful enough where a woman can say to me, hey, I was on your podcast and somebody heard it and I got my big break. Mm -hmm. You know? I feel such an urgency behind that. Yeah, and I and I think that's fantastic. And there's no question that, you know, to go back to what we were saying before, and this might seem to contradict what I was saying, is that, um, you know, there are, and have been um, talented uh, women in entertainment and had careers. And once, you know, there were children or family in, in the plans, then that just meant that's okay. Well, obviously you need to stop going on stage. 
Um, I suspect that that's less likely to happen now than it was two generations ago. And while it's unfortunate that it happened then or ever, um, I just think we have to move forward and say it's less likely to happen now. Mm. I mean, does anybody care about Kevin Federline's career? No. But, you know, he had to stop working. Kevin Federline's career? <laughs> I think that was his name, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm, t- I'm going with my timely yes, references Yes, that was here. his name, but he had a career? Of course he did. Okay. They all have careers. Okay. Um, but I'm saying that when Britley's the big uh, breadwinner, then then you got to go, you know, it's just, it makes more sense. I don't think that Kevin Federline sacrificed his potential to be an ultra famous world class backup dancer or rapper or whatever he was. I don't think that Kevin Federline at any point in his relationship suffered or sacrificed being the baby daddy to Britney Spears, but only benefited from it. I don't know. I've never read his biography. I presume he can speak and that he's got a lot to say too. Mm, Maybe you presume that or or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, I mean, what do I know about these things? All I'm saying is that there are, uh, it's, yeah, we're not getting into this. We're not. No, I mean, I, I, what, okay, well, let's say, I don't know how talented, uh, K fed was. I believe that was his nickname. But um, whatever he was capable of, isn't Spears probably more capable of of doing so? So isn't there more of a net benefit to society? And again, I had never heard uh, Albert Brooks' mother saying or um, Rob Reiner's mother saying. And actually, I don't think Carl Reiner is all that funny, actually. He has his his moments, uh, certainly. I don't think Albert Brooks's dad was all that funny, although it's from a different era. So some of that radio show stuff, it was fine. It was corny, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dad jokes. Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of Carl Reiner stuff is kind of dad jokes too. It's good. You know, what's like the jerk, for example, is, is great. That's, isn't that Carl Reiner? Uh Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, it's not the greatest comedy ever. Okay, so let's say um, Britney Spears is the most famous pop star in the world. Sure. She's shacked up with this yabo numbskull. And as the most famous pop star in the world, steps back into the shadows from her career so that her husband, Kevin Federline, yeah. can pursue his career ambitions while she stays at home and raises the kids. How let's, do you think that would have turned out? Let's play with this a little more and go the other direction. What about, and this this one's dangerous because, okay, so Coldplay is not good, all right, but what if Gwyneth had stopped wouldn't it be better for everyone? It, couldn't we just say, hey, yeah, no, that was, I liked Seven or maybe even uh, Shakespeare in Love uh, instead of Goop and all that horse shit. Um, the world definitely would have benefited if she'd stopped doing whatever it is that she's doing. 
Well, couldn't you also say that the world would have benefited if Coldplay had stopped doing? Had what never doing? had never done it to begin with. Yeah, Coldplay it, has some fine so. songs, and I, Gwyneth Paltrow has some good movies. I you, think I, that's a net sum game there. Either way. Well, I think I named the only ones of hers that are possibly good, and you know she's fine in Seven, but it's, it's Seven isn't great because of her particularly. I think it could be, anyway. but yeah, she certainly didn't mess Why it is up. Seven, the movie that comes to mind when you think of her body of work because i didn't particularly like the shakespeare movie it was okay i appreciated what they were doing but i just didn't think it was that great that was a little too what about royal tenenbaums what's that? that's the first movie i think of i will admit i have what's the name wes anderson uh problems mm. uh, i do kind of like tenenbaums but i would say that it's very much the same way that i'm thinking about uh seven uh you know, it's much more about, uh, you know, Gene Hackman and possibly even at least one of the Wilsons. Uh, still is pretty good in that, too. But, um, yeah, she's fine. And I know you're always supposed Angela to like Houston. Bill Murray. I don't particularly like Bill Murray. but Angela I know Houston. And, and even Always Angelica. good in everything. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name again? Uh-oh. Yeah. No, Uh-oh. Angelique? Am I doing it? Sure. Houston. Houston? No, no, And fuck. No, you're good. You got Angelique. it. Angelique. She is good. She Angelina. Is good. Oh, no. You got I'm it. doing it again. You got it. Just think of the uh, uh, of the Annie Hall line. Oh, yeah. You know, Jack and Angelica. Are gonna Angelica Houston. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for saving me from that. No problem. Um, Thank you. Yeah. No, she, she's good. Um yeah, she's she's consistently good. Thank you. Okay. Um I just recently found out that you think do you think that Stanley Kubrick is overrated or do you think that the shining is overrated? Definitely the latter, possibly the former as well. Now when I say overrated I, I think that Kubrick makes some incredible films, but I think ultimately Kubrick was a very intellectual guy. And I think he wants to film ideas. And I don't think he makes warm or identifiable characters. That whole idea might be overrated. Maybe there doesn't need to be characters like that, but I certainly don't think that he has ever made any, any of them. Um, I find that very interesting because some of your favorite music is the opposite of warm and identifiable or relatable, warm and relatable. I, I think a lot of it has to do with whether you're, I, I consider music rather, you know, abstract. It's a kind of, you know, somewhat more pure than like film narrative insofar as it's like, I'm going to tell a story. It's like, okay, so symphonies kind of tell stories. They don't really, it's, it's, there's a level of abstraction there that you don't really have to worry about ideas like that would never happen or that person would never do that. But once you're, and I'm particularly talking about like, you know, movies that are supposed to, or narratives that are supposed to happen in quote, the real world, it's a world populated by people 
you know, like us. And so things have to quote, make sense and, you know, no magical realism or any of that stuff. It's just like, it has to behave. And when things don't, and to the example of the shining, um, of course, it's always fun to watch Jack Nicholson, but <laughs> that character <laughs> from the get go, um, he's a fucking whack job. And, uh, it's very bizarre the way he's portrayed in there. And it's just, it would be one thing if the whole movie were supposed to be kind of, you know, uh, surrealistic or, uh, unrealistic or, you know, it's, but horror, if assuming that the movie's supposed to be that in order for that to be effective, it has to be relatable enough that we have to see, I'm afraid of this because I could see myself in that situation. So once it's horror in a world that we can't identify with, it can't really be horror. Um, anyway, so yes, um, stunning imagery, uh, Barry Lyndon, beautiful 2001, uh, beautiful, uh, strange love, you know, certainly not as fun. It, so I don't think he's as funny as he thinks he is either. Again, great fun to watch Peter Sellers. Uh, Keenan Wynn is fantastic in that. Um, always, uh, Sterling Holloway. No, not Holloway. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sterling Hayden, excuse me. Um, yeah, you know, great performances, but Kubrick has the way he thinks about things and he has access to grind and, you know, he was going to make his, um, quote comedy about how ridiculous, um, you know, mutually assured destruction was. Uh, the problem is mutually assured destruction is very effective. It did exactly, we're all here. So it succeeded in saving us. So I don't really think it's, uh, can be ridiculed because of that. Anyway. Something with The Shining that I was um, pretty uncomfortable with, because we, we just watched it recently. And by the way, that's the last time you're going to hear that word on the Rock and Roll Porter podcast, because news alert, two new banned words are uncomfortable and comfortable. Okay. Stop using those words, people. What are we One of the use? things that I found annoying and perhaps maybe I'm finding myself a little bit outraged is that the actor Jack Nicholson gets to be full on Jack Nicholson making yep. all the faces and um and modulating all the pitches in his voice and it's just this yep. scene chewing amazing. Shelley Duvall has one emotion where she's just filmed for uncomfortably long periods of time with this like dumbass look of horror on her face just standing there. Right. So I would really like to know if he has a reputation of just being very sexist um, toward his actors and actresses. And I think maybe he's quite famous for just looking at them as play dolls or something. But yeah. another way to look at it is that this movie is parallel to a classic nightmare. So if the whole movie could be from Shelley Duvall's character's perspective, we've all had those nightmares where we're so terrified that we're trying to scream and we can't and we're trying to move and we can't. And if that's the perspective, then I think it's actually quite interesting and even delightful. But I'm not sure that that was his intent. 
But if it was, I would like the movie a whole lot more. And wait, and you mean just in terms of, so you mentioned dreams. So like, uh, do you think hallucination plays a role in all of this, in any of this? Because you do have with certainly some shining scenes, at least the way uh, Kubrick handled them as opposed to to King. Uh, Some of it might not necessarily be happening. Well, you could also look at a dream, a nightmare as a hallucination. But I, I hadn't really thought okay. about it in terms of like waking hallucinations. Yeah. I was just thinking about it in terms of like a typical nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, futility and uh, no options and, uh, you know, being trapped either literally or, you know, figuratively. Because doesn't yeah, even scream at her on one horrific. point like, wake up and calling her a bitch and how much he hates her or whatever um and maybe toward the end of the movie when she escapes with her son that's her waking up out of the nightmare uh yeah but i mean so you know we just caught like the second half but yeah but we've you know, seen the, it before the, okay but there are some scenes of her in the beginning like when they're with the psychiatrist and you know she's less I think she's a caring parent, but she still doesn't strike us as, you know, the the brightest bulb or sure. Yeah, there are whatever. long stretches of that movie but, where she clearly has no idea where her son is. So, <laughs> well, where can he be? I mean, there's nobody else here as far as we know. Right. So he's just somewhere playing in the hotel. Um, but, or maybe the nightmare is a little boy's nightmare where he's watching his mother terrified and paralyzed with that stupid look on her face while her fa- his father is running around. Yeah. <laughs> Becoming this demon monster. Well, you should see the um, the Doctor Sleep because uh, th- this is uh, Danny grown up. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And then you also get a little more insight into supposedly, you know, Tony, the little boy who lives in his mouth. That's actually supposed to be future him. Mm. So in a way, the future him is trying to save him from uh, current him. Um, yeah, which time nonsense can be problematic but um but yeah a bit of fun and of course is directed by mike flanagan so you could certainly do worse than mike flanagan who's the you know by far uh the most accomplished uh horror director these days it's got to be mike flanagan right is that the house of usher guy? uh the, the the haunting of hill house i mean both seasons of the haunting stuff yeah. um and uh yeah uh, House of Usher, uh, Midnight Mass. Yeah, that, that's all fine. Michael always turns me on to this stuff that he's known about for a really long time, and I always end up enjoying it. Well, I'm I don't know new. how you come across these things. Uh, that one in particular, I'm pretty new to the Flanniverse, but I came across it uh, through Netflix. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, then find out a little bit some of the other stuff he did. Um, <sighs> yep. Absentia. Um, Hush, uh, those are pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe those are both him. Anyway. Yeah. Michael's Netflix recommendations are much, much more interesting than mine are. I think because Michael's much more interesting person than I am. But I tag along, I, I grab your coattails. No, I think you're, you will often, so you're much more of a two or three screen person than I am. And so, you know, you'll load up things like, whatever watch the new season of french real estate Mm. or whatever with you know people you hate and money you'll never have or whatever that kind of stuff like you'll keep something like that on in the background and i think that kind Mm. of contaminates your recommendation engine Mm -hmm. a bit that's true 
I do sometimes use Netflix as background noise. Yeah. But I mean, while you're yeah doing other things, uh, yeah. Well, they say ladies are better at multitasking. I don't multitask. No, I'm I, terrible I at multitasking. Yeah, but that's also probably nonsense. I hate but that people that's still just say something that. Something that people say. I know, and the Dutch. In <laughs> but particular. Dutch still yeah. say it. Yeah, Nobody yeah. else still yeah. says it. Well, the Dutch also say granola. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this? All right. Yeah. They're so they're so cute. I'm gonna follow my gym fix exercise really regimen and eat my granola. Yeah. Anyway. Another exciting thing that's happened in our life recently is that the bus route at the end of our street, the final destination of the bus, the 391 <laughs> and the 394, mm-hmm. the fight in 394, go all the way to uh, Amsterdam Central sta- train station. And I hate that bus because I always get motion sick on it. It's always too hot or too cold. It just takes a long time. It's they a, used to go to Central the most yep. The most horrible thing is that the bus ride itself is super, super boring. It's just, it's just like nothing to look out out the window. And now, finally, the bus routes have changed. And so the final destination of our bus route is at Norderpark Metro Station, which gives us so much quicker access to... The pipe, Amsterdam Zoud. Oh, finally, yeah. my dream comes true. <laughs> I just couldn't believe at the beginning when the Nord Zoud line was open that our bus route didn't. Like, it was like oh, please, it would go past like the Norder Park yeah. stop. I'm like, no, please, just let me out here. And now it finally does. And it's so great. It's so great. It's life changing. Life here yeah. just keeps getting better and better. We defeated the wind turbines. The bus route now <laughs> stops on the being. metro line. Yep. It's wonderful. Weather still sucks, but that part of it's getting better. You can't do too much. Well, we're doing our part with uh, the global warning. Mm-hmm. Kind of make it more wine country here in the Netherlands. Uh, I need to do a quick follow-up because I was running my mouth uh, entirely before thinking things through. So um, Spartacus and uh, Paths of Glory particularly, uh, I didn't comment on. Uh, I think Passive Glory probably does have more um, identifiable uh, characters that we could root for, that's from more so than some of other. But I still think it's very much um, peppered with uh, Kubrick's personal views about uh, such things. Um, and I haven't seen all of Lolita. I've only seen a bit of it. So anyway, mm-hmm. and <laughs> best not to talk about Eyes Wide Shut. Anyway, why is that? Uh, cause I don't, I mean, well, if somebody's going to make an argument about how great Kubrick is, I'm sure it's probably not best to talk about eyes wide shut. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I should watch it again and well, see yeah, if it's, it's I saw some of it not it's too long ago. Bad it's, or good. It's, uh. it's fine. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just watched uh, Clockwork again uh, recently, and yeah, I don't think I will ever want to watch Eyes Wide Shut as many times as I've seen, you know, Clockwork or anything like that. But, but yeah, it's it's extremely competent. I mean, you're not going to have a Stanley Kubrick thing that's not very competent. Um, yeah. What's the first scene that comes into your mind when you think of Eyes Wide Shut? I think of eyes wide shut. Um, 
I don't even know any the of orgy the scenes. scenes. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, there's like multiple orgy scenes, right? But yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. Um, I mean, that's certainly... No, he, he can... Um, yeah, he could certainly it's put very memorable It's not even an orgy scene. Images. It's just men having sex with hookers all in the same room. That's different than an orgy. Okay, yeah. I, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, it's so... Not that you were necessarily. I think Stanley this, but... Kubrick is a misogynist. Uh, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt on The Shining being from the perspective uh, of. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get much pushback on the idea that he. I mean, I won't say out and out misogynist. I will say that possibly based on his own experience and some level of, I don't know, whatever, uh, honesty and possibly immaturity. I don't suspect he thinks about women as much as he does men and, you know, whatever women's motivations or um, clockwork, I would say, is not an especially favorable view of uh, women. Although, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. He has very sadistic fantasies, sexual fantasies when it comes to women, I think. This is one that, you know, that guy I talked to uh, sometimes, this is one that he pointed out uh, years ago. I think part of the issue that you have with something like um, clockwork is the way that women are casually portrayed in there, just like in the furnishings of the, the bar, for example. That is probably going to tend to breed a society where an Alex-type person is not going to be that common or not going to be that uncommon at all. And I don't think that there's any textual support in the original material for that sort of thing. So why portray, you know, women as uh, these uh, objects so much or just kind of casually uh, in the um, architecture and design of the, the sets? I think that's an unusual choice, uh, but, you know, I'm sure he had his reasons. I will give him this. I am pretty sure that he thinks about exactly what he wants uh, in the frame at all times. And there probably aren't too many directors that, that we can say that about. Mm-hmm. How's your back feeling? Yeah, 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 much better. I'm old. Michael hurt his back. Michael almost never gets any sort of like repetitive stress injury or oh my back or pulls a muscle or anything like that so he's really wrenched his back oh good now my argument to michael is that he's working too hard um over the last two years it's catching up with him and his body is telling him to take a break mm -hmm. so that's way too woo woo for michael but then Michael's a man so he goes into the opposite direction he's like I have a herniated disc I have uh, you know spine cancer I have I never all, said any of that. he immediately as men no, do I, he no, immediately no. goes all the way there no never said any of that um, and that he's you know needs to be babied a little bit but yet won't no. let me baby him Definitely. which is very annoying no, but he's been sleeping on the floor the last couple of days I put a cold a uh, cold laser therapy wand on his back, which we actually got for our dog when he needed to have knee surgery. And I think it helped. Um, 
but everybody, please send some healing vibes to Michael There's so no, his I back feels no, better. No, he doesn't please, want healing no vibes. No healing vibes. No, thank you. But and that's very kind of you. But some of that's not accurate. Never said any of those things. And also on the uh, babying and look, this is I don't know how this idea took root. Uh, about like you know men are such babies when they you know have a flu or whatever. I strongly suspect, and I would say this, I guess, because I'm a man, I think that fellas deal with a lot of casual pain all the time anyway. When we actually open our gobs about it, it's possibly intolerable. So I, I don't think that um, women are, you know, better at bearing casual pain or that, you know, we don't hear. Well, about... we bear moderate to severe pain our entire lives, so... And I think men do too. The really? Difference is what's we your what, what's your don't... what's your chronic pen, pain that men have to okay, endure? Well, obviously, menstrual cramps. I was going to say I can't compete uh, with you know childbirth, the, the, the uh... endometriosis. Well, not all ladies have that stuff anyway. But what I'm saying is that this whole idea of uh, and it's very widespread. It's just, you know, oh, when, when men get, get sick. Get to the point, you know, Michael. Have, I, what the point is, I, I'm not sure that we should uh, accept this uh, notion that seems to be so widespread mm-hmm. that um, men are babies when it comes to being sick. I think oftentimes men just deal with it until it reaches a certain threshold. But the point is that the ladies might have been talking about it when it was way below that threshold to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Obviously, nobody can prove or disprove that. That's just my strong suspicion. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, it's like emotional distress as well. You bottle it up and push it down and bottle it up and push it down, and then it comes out into some great big giant crisis. Yeah. And and then it's a drama. Whereas if you would just, Michael, had just over the last couple of years, you know, taken a few more massages or slowed down or, you know, let me take over some stuff, I think you wouldn't have wrenched your back. No, but you don't that do that. Very well be. That's right. I don't. But I also don't. Complain is too strong a word. I, I don't mention it mm-hmm. uh, either. So I'm I wish not, you would, though. To what end? It hasn't. You wouldn't have hurt your back. Reached a threshold that was caused concern. Well, you wouldn't have hurt your back. Everyone's always hurting their backs or their bodies. I mean, like every day we wake up like we're degrading a bit more right that's what we're doing we're just but it's fine we, we manage we mm-hmm. do what we need to do oh poppy's joined us and she's yeah. decided to sit yeah. with michael and has her head on his lap and it's really sweet she's actually you know what i think she's doing she's diversifying she's in a diversification process right now for her attention portfolio so she used to seek all of her attention from me me, 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 me. And now, of course, we have, you know, over the last year, two extra cats in the house. So sure. they need my attention. And um, she's just discovered mm-hmm. another investment opportunity. So it, it isn't just me. She can go to you and get her attention. And, yeah. and that's good for her. She's resourceful. Yeah. Hey, puppy. Hey, puppy girl. Hmm. Okay. Good. Good, good. See you later. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye.